good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain Nutrition, Chewing the, I nearly forgot my lines, Fat. Podcast. Episode 49. You know this! I don't always know this. Nearly the half century. Joe, Benson's awake. Benson, welcome to the podcast. What's the subject, Joe? The harsh truth. Ooh, this one's gonna sting a little. Like a candle wax on the back. <laughs> I came with other things that aren't fit for family friendly podcast. <laughs> I was gonna say a plaster, but it's just too goddamn. PG. I might write down to you what I was going to say. Do it to me. <laughs> right, here we go. I don't really want to say it now, but I'm not going to. Don't say it. <laughs> Save it. Save it for the um, episodes, the secret episodes that we send out to our, our clients. Yeah, it's about that. Six clients. Right, Joe, kick off. Here we go. What is affecting people's fat loss day in and day out that they don't want to hear? A refusal to embrace the shit side of being fat. Bosh. So, a few weeks back I spoke about uh, David Goggins, I think, saying, you know, don't look in the mirror and say, I need to lose a few pounds. You should look in the mirror and say, I'm really overweight, this is really bad for my health. Actually, he phrased it a bit more nasty than that, but that'd be nice. And it's this constant quest for people to feel good at every turn, you know, they want to even if they have a bad day or they make some bad decisions, they want to still feel good and they want to feel like they've done well. But the problem you have there is you completely miss this opportunity to learn. And ultimately, if you haven't done, done good enough, then beating yourself up or at least being aware of those negatives is likely to drive you forwards in a desire to do better. And I think that so often I see people saying, you know, I had a load of rubbish food, but it tasted really good or these were the, the reasons I had it for. And actually, if I compare that to how I would, I am, personally, when I'm trying to lose weight and I don't eat very well, it's, well, you know, this wasn't good enough, I need to act differently, this is how I'm going to do it. And it's that focus on constant improvement rather than trying to make yourself feel good about the decisions that you've made. And I think that's one thing that I see an awful lot of clients do that if they didn't do, would actually help them somewhat. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it? Because I think you're walking that kind of fine line of us constantly pushing people to be better than before and to look for positives in things as well. But then also, you know, to be able to reflect on the kind of the poorer choices, or not, I don't want to say bad choices, but like the choices that they kind of regret making almost. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing to regret something so long as you reflect on it and you learn from it. Does that make sense? I think so. Because, you know, you don't, if not, it's, it's very easy to kind of get bogged down and be like, oh, I made a shit choice. I'm just fucking shit, I'm weak. You know, I'm useless. Yeah, you know, all these kind of common things that we hear. So you do want to be able to pull positives and you still want to kind of keep it as a positive journey. But then, like you said, you sometimes want to use a bit of negativity and not just be like, oh, everything's all sunshine and rainbows. 
you know, because you're not, you know, so say someone says like, I want to change my physique because of X, Y, and Z, this is what I want to be able to do, and this is how I want to feel, and then they don't get there, but they're like, but, you know, it's still okay because I'm slightly better than I was before. <laughs> it's that thing, isn't it? If you're not kind of fulfilling the potential that you could have made. Or even just like you it's say, it's push pull goals. Isn't it's it? one thing we talk about sometimes where people say, "Well, I'm not drinking as much wine. I feel as in control, or sorry, I feel in more control. I'm eating more veg, but I've not lost a pound. So that's better than before, but it's not good enough because your goals weren't to feel a bit better and to eat more veg. Yeah. Your goals were to lose weight and to be healthier. Ninety percent of the benefits of weight loss come from losing weight. So if you are the same weight, you're eating more veg and drinking more water. You're only getting 10% of the benefits at most. You know, the benefit is gonna come from seeing those changes in how much body fat you're carrying. So it's a bit of a bitter pill because people feel like they're making loads of effort and that that will have loads of positive ramifications. And you know, the whole thing about people being skinny fat and BMI not being the be all end all. That's just the rough truth of it, unfortunately, sometimes. And you do have to kind of engage with that and embrace it and, and take some positives from at least some action steps. You don't have to be happy about it, but you have to do something about it. And it's, we often see people thinking that they've done enough and therefore shying away from doing more, but they haven't made any progress and that's not, not good enough, sadly. Segways nicely onto proper goal setting. Mm. I think that, you wanna? No, go for it. Just tell me what you're thinking. Let me into your mind, Joe. Go for it, well. Give me a small. Back to that previous topic then, this is the start of the podcast, is people will say, so what do you want to achieve? They say, I want to be healthy and more confident. And you say, okay, give me the time in your life in the last six months when your weight made you the saddest. Oh, I was shopping, I couldn't find anything I liked. Like, and people are so desperate to not feel crap that they just tell themselves that everything's fine. I had a PT client the other week say, I've wasted 20 years feeling like crap because of my weight. She went, well, I've not wasted 20 years. And you could see her back away from her statement because she didn't want to admit. Stone. Yeah, she didn't want to admit that level. And then she went back and said, no, I have done. So like, if I'd been three stone lighter, I think she said, I'd have been much happier these last 20 years. And it was the awareness that she didn't want her daughter to go through those same issues mm. that made her kind of embrace it. And also, to be fair to her, she's really damn good at this stuff. She doesn't shy away from the truth of the situation. If you just tell yourself everything's a-okay all the time, then you're not gonna change and the goal setting thing is really, really hard for people to do. Yeah, open and honestly. And I think, you know, I put something in one of our groups where I said kind of what's your, what is your ultimate or your main goal? And I said, is it to lose weight, to be healthier, to be happy? And everyone's like, oh, it's all three, you know, oh, it's to lose weight, but then those to be happy. Your ultimate goal is to be happy. And like Joe said, you know, Joe's client, felt that, you know, being three stone, or losing three stone was a goal, but actually her goal was to be happy, for happiness. You know, so that, she just kind of equated the fact that if she was three stone lighter, she would be happy, which might not necessarily be true. It's very hard, isn't it, to admit that, because you're, it's tough to say, I'm not happy as I am now, and people will constantly, to go back to that thing about trying to make themselves feel good, is say, well, you know, my life's pretty good, and we want people to look for positives, but in the same breath, it's if okay you're not achieving your goal, you and need it, to dig a bit deeper, don't you? And it's the same thing, it's not a bad thing to be driven, you know, it's not like, you know, these people are you know, like, well, you know, Richard Branson or whatever, it's okay for him to be ambitious or to want more and not just be like, ah, oh, you know what, this I'm, good I'm gonna settle here, which obviously he could do quite <laughs> easily with his own islands and stuff like that. 
You know, it's fine to be driven and to go like, no, I want better than I've got right now. That's not necessarily a thing. I know kind of people go on about like, you should be happy being the person you are, looking the way you are, you should be body confident and all this stuff. And, and I agree with that, you know, but if you think there's room for improvement and that is also not a bad thing. And like Joe said, going back to David Goggins, we should probably say David Goggins is. Should I give the rundown? I'll just do this bit first though. It's fine for him to look into the mirror and go, this is not good enough for me. And I think we said in the, the kind of the fat shaming podcast last week, is if your goal is to improve you and that's motivated by you, that's just not a bad thing. You know, if Joe was saying to me as my partner, come on, James, you look like shit. You need to sort yourself out. You lose some weight. I'm just not attracted to you anymore. That's, you know, if I start losing weight just because I want Joe to... I think I start crying in Brazil. You know, brush, brush, brush his hands across me when he walks past me in the office. That's not a good motivator. But if I just wanted him to rub up against me during, <laughs> in the corridor... <laughs> it's just going. I don't know. It's got, it's got all 50 shades. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to this, Benson. Um, then that can be a good motivator. But, it's, you know, it's got to come from you. But there's no issue being kind of frustrated and going, actually... I'm doing well, well, I'm doing better, but I want to do better than I'm doing right now. Hmm. I think a nice follow-on to that then is being specific. So we see a lot of people who are honest with themselves and they say that this isn't good enough and I'm not happy as I am. And that's great, you know, you've got a strong start point. But then the next stage of the journey, you know, the plan of how you're going to do to get there is so like desperately vague that people have got, they, you're making it so much harder for yourself to get there. You know, you said before, if you try to get from you know, London to Edinburgh, you would get a map, you'd find a route to go. Yeah. And there's so many people who have got these really strong goals, but they just set off without thinking, where have I struggled before? What do I need help with? What are my obstacles gonna be? You know, when I get to Manchester, which way am I gonna go? Because they've just got, they're relying on, you know, they, they, what is it they say that we have the utmost belief in the things we often have the, the least ability mm. for. So people have a real belief that I'm super motivated right now, so every obstacle I'm gonna overcome. And then within two months, they haven't made any progress or they've lost weight. Yeah, absolutely. They've lost weight, they've put it back on. So it's, it's a bit of a bitter truth again to hold on to that I'm not good enough doing it the way that I've been doing it before. So now I need to do something different. And if you keep just saying, I'm going to batch cook my food and I'm going to eat healthily, it's just not good enough. It just or it's a, it's, I find that thing where people go, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that and I think I need to be better at this and better at that but we have no clear plan. And I always liken it to saying, like, you know, if we turned around and said, right, uh, in the next 12 months, we want sustain to make £100,000. And you go, well, how are you going to do that? Like, well, we're just going to make more money each month. That's, we're going to sell more plans. Yeah, the likelihood of that happening is not very <laughs> high, is it? Unless it just kind of organically happens. We need to say... This is what we want to do. So each month we need to kind of increase the amount of people that sign up by X, Y, and Z. How are we going to get these people? That's the dog. Um, by increasing marketing, by you know doing another download, by doing webinars. So we need like a clear kind of blueprint as to how this is going to happen. And it's hello. It's one of those things that people just don't do. Like I say, they just go, oh well, I think I need to uh, get better at planning my food. Uh, I need to batch cook. You might as well just start the plan and say, I want to lose three stone in three months. How are you going to do that? I'm going to eat really well every day and I'm going to consistently exercise. Cool. Okay, so that's what you need to do. How are you going to do that? You know, 
what are you going to put in place to do that? So it's stop talking about what you need to happen and that's, you know, thinking about how you're going to make that happen and be fucking specific. It's, it's, <laughs> as, it's as simple as being proactive with it. It's, you know, the number of times I say to people, do you have a meal plan for the weekend? No. Or I said something the other day, you know, do you plan your meals? And they sent me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with a meal on each. And then if I looked at uh, her scores, you know, they were quite sporadic. There was eights and nines and fives on the weekend. It's like, well, this level of planning is not working because you may well be having this meal, but it's clearly other meals that are deficient. You're having snacks on top or alcohol. And there's lots of blips that are occurring here. So you need a stronger plan. You need to have your three meals and your snack or two snacks planned, bought, prepared, whatever it may be that's gonna work for you, done in advance because what you're doing at the moment isn't working. And I think, it's a tough one as a coach, isn't it? Because you say to people, I'd like you to do this, and then people don't do it, and then you say, you know, why haven't you? We've just worked with so many people over the last, is it four years now? It's Very close to it, isn't yeah. it? You know, you just want to say sometimes, you just need to try it. If you just do it for a week, all we need to do is do seven days and see if it helps. Because I know it will, like I already know it. You, you know, you've got a certain skill set in your job, we've got a certain skill set in ours. We've done it for such a long time, it's worked for so many people. You have to embrace it, you have to try it. And people are so, and I guess some of this is our fault in the way that we deliver it, but they haven't got the buy-in that maybe they need. And we saw it a couple of times this week in the 28 day challenge with people saying, in the past I've not re-engaged these questions because I didn't think it was that important, but yeah. now I can see that it is. And people always think that, well, I'm gonna sign up for three months, and by the end of the first month I've lost a stone. Well, whoa, that's gonna require an awful lot of changes. It's probably gonna take you a month to get to the point where you're actually making those changes. You know, you'll have a few, the first few weeks where you think that you can get away with not planning or you have meals out and you make the wrong decisions or you have a couple of days, you're a bit more relaxed. You know, it never goes as well as people hope. It very rarely does anyway. You know, I can think of a handful of examples where people do lose a stone a month like clockwork. It's the difference, isn't it? Like, so, you know, the mindset is just such an integral part for you getting the results that you want and it's just something that's so massively overlooked people just and I, I get it you know people are so keen to get started that they just start sending the food through them but need like read the quick start and that's it they won't engage with you know the the kind of the logbook which has loads of goal setting and you know um reflection work in there the the goal setting uh, webinars stuff like that because they just want to get going and then you say to them you know kind of have you watched this have you done that what did you set this like uh no, I've not done it. Yeah, and it can make such a huge, a huge. Well, it does make such a huge difference. It's like, you know, if me and Joe said, oh, "Okay, we're going to do um, a ten k run," and I hate running, <laughs> so I'm going to be less likely to go out and do it. I might just fob it off and just go, "Oh yeah, I'll push it back." Oh, I didn't train anything. But then if I said, "Right, I'm going to do this ten k run. I'm going to do it for this charity," and then I collect, you know, five hundred pounds worth of sponsorship. How much more likely are we going to be to do that? Because I've got a goal and I've got some kind of some internal pressure to push myself onto this. And when you do the correct goal setting, you can kind of look at the reasons as to why it's just so important to you. you know, if you want to be a good example to your kids, if you want to be fit and healthy into older age, you know, if you want to feel more confident when you go on holiday or on a night out or something like that, those are the kind of the external pressure that's pushing you forward towards those goals. Whereas you go. I'm not going to go to the gym tonight, I'm just going to eat an entire Victoria sponge cake. And then you think, but actually, I really want my kids to be proud of kind of what I've achieved. 
and I don't, you know, as Joe said with the example earlier, I don't want my kids to have to go through, you know, three, six months of me kind of retraining my brain and, you know, my relationship with food. I want them to set off on a, a decent footing. Therefore, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to show them that exercise is actually like a, a massive part of your life. You should be celebrating the fact that you can do it, not just, you know, going, oh God, I've got to go to a, a gym class and I'm not going to eat a Victoria's Punch or I might just have a slice. Absolutely. I quite like saying to a few people this week as well, the idea that people just trust their inner voices completely. So it's a good example there. Like, I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm going to have a Victoria sponge cake. So why is your inner voice saying that? It's saying that because that's the safe, the comfy, the easy option. The known road. But that inner voice is what has gotten you to where you are now. That's the voice that's gotten you overweight, that's gotten you consistently yo-yo dieting and not making endless, not endless progress, but sustainable and maintainable progress. And so you can't trust that voice. You can't listen to it and go and believe it at every turn. And this is where sometimes, you know, when we start to challenge people, that it doesn't always go down that well because they'll say, you know, this is all I can do. This is the best I can do. And you say, well, actually, I reckon you could do a bit more. Here's how. And then people either go, oh, do you know what? That's a pretty valid point. Or they'll go the other way and go, he's just being a dick. There's no way I could have possibly done that. You don't understand. And I'm honestly not trying to make your life worse. It comes from trying to make your life better. Yeah, and I can see how to do it. You know, we've helped lots of people to do this. And there are solutions to your problems and that's the, the mindset that you need to have is that everything's, you can overcome everything. And I appreciate if you've had a lifetime of struggling to do this. That is not gonna come easy. So you do really need to work on that kind of internal self-talk of I can do this or here's a list of the things where I have been successful in my life. Because everyone's capable of doing this. It is just eating food. I know that's oversimplifying it, but. But it is when people <laughs> say like, I'm worried I'm gonna fail this. Like you can't fail eating food. You can just make maybe some silly choices and make some good choices, well, a day, sensible a, a choices. Day, a day where you go off plan or two days, whatever it may be. Which kinda segues quite well into what I've just written down and I wrote some notes down because I'll just forget if not. Uh, when people talk about balance, it's quite a big one. It's a good one. Yeah. So we're all about having a balanced diet and it's called sustainable nutrition for a reason because you know we don't want people to feel that like you know foods are outlawed or you know something's good something's bad because we all know that it's calories that count but if you know we'll see quite often people who have struggled with their weight who have you know two three four five six stone you know kind of above a weight that they want to be or a healthier weight and then they'll go three or four days and they'll go, I had this because this is my you know, treat meal or cheat meal or uh, I couldn't possibly go a week without drinking a bottle of Prosecco or a couple of glasses of Prosecco every night or chocolate and all this. And they go like, this is about a balanced diet. Well, it is, but then if you imagine how far your scales are tipped if you've had 20 years of making poor choices, don't you think that maybe going a couple of weeks making good choices is gonna help with that balance? Of course it is. Yes, which then segues even better <laughs> into the stories that people kind of tell themselves about like certain food choices where they say like, cheese is life. I couldn't possibly go, you know, I couldn't possibly go a weekend without drinking wine or, you know, I have to have my chocolate. I needed this to have chocolate. It's these little stories that are just simply not true that people are so scared to challenge. Mm. You know, like, you, like you did, I'll bring it up for you. Joe gave up chocolate, if you didn't already know. If you haven't listened to any of the other 48 podcasts. Yes. Um, 
I'm not mentioning it six Shut months. <laughs> People have this, you know, kind of belief that chocolate brings so much joy to their lives, yet they are, you know, if it's our clients, have spent their hard-earned cash with us to try and get a result, which which is going to be happiness, going back to what I said earlier. Um, yet they're still having this thing that they think brings them happiness, which actually is just keeping them in misery or keeping them, you know, where they don't want to be. I think I'll go into that a little bit more because it's, you know, how do you get to that point? And I think that I'd had, I tried every single moderation tactic that you could possibly think of. So I would have, God, I can, I can go through them all. I would only buy, this is so middle class, only buy chocolate from Waitrose because it's a few miles away, so that made me have less. Probably I said, good. I'd only have it if it fits into my calories. I said, I'd only have it on weekends. I said, I'd only have it, um, I'd have one Reese's peanut butter cup at a time. And these are all things that I, I did. Just, wanna, just like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't tri- I wouldn't triple stack them. Uh, I'd still then, eat 50 in a row. <laughs> and what I always found is I could do all of these things for a month or maybe six weeks or eight weeks. And I'd always end back up at the same point. And it got to the point of how much longer are you going to kid yourself that you can actually moderate this? Like you've proven to yourself that you cannot moderate this under any circumstance. You've tried every single tactic there is and it's not worked. And you're still not very happy. You know, you're looking in the mirror and going, there's a the single reason you aren't happy with what you see is because of chocolate. So all of these things, all this bullshit you're telling yourself that it, that it gives you so much and that it, you know, it doesn't take that much from you. And then you take it out and then within three weeks and you look back and go, do you know what? This has done nothing but add to my life. And I think my physique hasn't changed massively. I mean, it has done, I'm leaner and I'm happier for that. But the thing that I'm happiest with is the fact I now have control over something that I've never had control over. You know, from the age of 13 when I was able to buy my own chocolate to now at 29, 16 years of disordered eating with food. You think most of our clients are gonna be in their 30s and 40s. So you've got to put a decade on top of that as well. How long have you got to go? How many mistakes have you got to make before you're gonna accept that what you're doing isn't right and that something needs to change? And we just tell ourselves the same bullshit things over and over and over. And then actually it just takes someone to go, do you know what, you can't, you, you're chatting shit. And it, you know, I got to that point myself because I coach so many people and I'm pretty good at assessing my own mindset. But that's where a lot of people are unable to do that because they're so caught up in that this is the only way. You know, I couldn't possibly live without that. And the one, the thing you say that I quite like about, you know, if you're on a desert island without chocolate, you'd be all right. Yeah, that wouldn't be what gets you. You just get used to it, and and that's how it is. I was saying something last bit. I'll shut up for a bit. To one of my clients today, she stopped drinking for about a week and a half. Well, I was going to say you should use that because it's a fantastic example, isn't it? Uh, the, the one she said about her daughter, about the wine-free, the wind yeah. wins. Yeah, so I'll do that first and I'll go into the, the other bit. Even more time for me to oh, talk. Oh, Jesus. So she has been umming and ahhing about giving up wine. You've got to <laughs> She's been umming and ahhing about giving up alcohol. It's been limiting her progress. And I went through the same things I've just said with you now. And she just kind of, she got a bit teary. And I was like, are you okay? And she said, you know, everything you say is exactly what I've had with wine. And, you know, what you say is so true. I've convinced myself that I need it and it adds to my life. And actually, I don't think it does, so I'm gonna try not having any. And then on Sunday night, she messaged me with her wine-free wins, which are the positives that have come from not drinking. So it was things- Not whining. (laughs) It was the things like, I was able to, I went to the gym for the first time ever with my husband and my daughter. We went out to watch a film and we stayed in and watched a film. I was able to stay awake for these and watch and remember the plot. He said, and these are things I've never been able to do because of alcohol. Alcohol has meant that I've been tired and grumpy 
and basically not been as good a mum as she, as she felt she could have been. And it really upset her because she's done it. I don't know how old her daughter was, I think maybe 12. You know, she'd had 12 years of spending her weekends doing this. And it was that, once you challenge it and you get out the other side, you can actually assess it accurately. And it adds so much to your life when you do challenge these things. And I think the last point that I'll show was that it just takes that brutal honesty that a lot of people will struggle with. And it, it's hard to look at yourself and say, I've been doing the wrong things. And this isn't actually adding to my life. But if you challenge it, you may find, you know, I said to her, she said she was gonna do 60 days or maybe even 90, that we can assess after you've done those 60 days. Once you've done 60 days, we can then decide, like you were saying, you've had 20 years of being, pushing the needle the other end, 60 days isn't gonna be balanced. That's 60 days versus 6,000. But it's a good start and it means we can assess it better from there. But that's it, yes, I think people are very, um, or not willing to challenge their beliefs and beliefs are just kind of assumptions that you kind of conform to, like Joe said, you know, like feeling that you, you know, it's the weekend so you have to drink wine. And then when you do challenge that, you're like, well, do I have to, you know, like your client did. And then actually afterwards, like, this is so much more rewarding than the reward that I got or felt or thought that I got from drinking the wine. So it's that bit of kind of positive evidence that we always talk about. that actually, not drinking this thing that she felt brought her loads of pleasure and, you know, happiness, actually made her happier in the long run. And then, you know, she might over the 60 days or 90 days or whatever she decides to do, slip up and have some wine. And then you can see how you feel and like more than likely she's going to regret doing it and feel like shit. So then you have some evidence that actually these old beliefs that you had that this wine brought you so much pleasure are not true. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's just challenging your beliefs. So I think last one for me, unless you bring one up, we're better than before. It's not always good enough. You know, it's one again, kind of coming back to feedback from my clients that again, we always, you know, push people to be better than before. So the example I always kind of use is, you know, people might go out, so say if Joe goes out on a Friday night, every Friday night, so imagine he's got some friends, and he has 10 pints, and he always gets a piece on the way home. But then this time, he had six pints, and he already had, you know, he bought a pizza from the supermarket, so it's lower calories, and he eats that. Which is obviously better than before. You know, it's a massive improvement, it's a big calorie reduction, you know, nearly half the amount of drinks he had, and probably half the amount of calories he had from a pizza. But he still had six pints and a pizza. So you can't expect, you know, whilst it's positive from a mindset point of view, it might not show in the scales, it might not show your results. So people get frustrated when, you know, they get to, you know, tracking their results and they go like, but I've been much better than I had before. You know, I've not drunk as much wine, I've not eaten as much chocolate, I've not had, I've made better choices throughout my week. It doesn't always mean that you're gonna get results. And you know what? You just gotta suck it up, buttercup. You sometimes you just gotta try, not try harder. So I like really like let's say that, but you need to do more. It's not just a case of going. Well, normally I have six gin and tonics, but this time I had four. It doesn't always work like that, I'm afraid. I think I've got a nice tip for that that follows on from what I was saying with the alcohol. And my lady had um, my lady, my lady, my good lady had had something bad happened. It's like I immediately wanted to go and get some wine. And it was, it was kind of saddening for me because she had a week of being really good and having no wine, that she was so easily flipped back to this idea that wine would work, it would be the solution. And I think that one thing that helped me was saying, I'm a person who doesn't eat chocolate now, like I've made a solid set decision and this is how it is. I'm very firm in how I speak to myself. So that if I'm tempted by chocolate, then I've got that clear, you're not having any. 
And I know sometimes this puts people off, but you need to give it a go, I think, because you know, I was saying to her, it was a shame, I said it to but her. But she's not challenging because yeah. then you say like, you know, if you'd have said, I'm not gonna eat chocolate, and it made you fucking miserable, you'd go back to eating chocolate. Yeah. But it's not. But actually it makes your life better. The same with this lady in the wine, she was so quick to go back to that default setting of, oh, I might have some wine. But you need to have it really set in your head that I'm not doing this, and I'm, you know, I'm a person who doesn't drink wine when I'm stressed. Because if you give yourself that little bit of leeway of, oh, well, it's okay to have half a glass, then you're gonna end up back in the same place. I've already discussed all the, you know, where moderation got me. And she said exactly the same, that she's always, you know, one glass doesn't hurt, but then it keeps you three stone heavier than you want to be. So it's not just one glass, is it? You're not having one glass a week here to keep you in these places. And again, it's hard to hear. People don't want to be told that. We want to be told, you're doing everything really well here. I can't see when you're not losing weight. I knew exactly why she wasn't losing weight. And you know, and I said to her, and she embraced it, thankfully. And he's going to benefit from seeing the results. And that's the next stage for her, is to be a bit firm with herself and to say, I am not that person. I am choosing not to do this, rather than kind of gripping on with her fingernails and by the skin of her teeth. It wants to be really kind of in the center of her hand and controlled and definite, because that's going to give you more chance than a fighting back. Yeah, so I think sometimes it's obviously it's frustrating and it sucks because you might be trying, you know, or making better choices and decisions than you were previously, but it doesn't always mean that it's going to get you the results that you want. You know, other people might be trying half as hard as you are doing, you know, half the work and getting twice the amount of results. It just doesn't matter because it doesn't affect you. You need to stay in your lane and concentrate on what you're doing. What we were saying about the other day about jealousy, you know what I mean? The kind of jealousy doesn't serve anyone. If I get jealous about what Joe's doing, that doesn't affect him, that only affects me, that makes me feel like shit. You know, you've just got to concentrate on being a little bit better, a little bit better, doing the work on you, not so much comparing yourself to other people. I think I stole it from the Kevin Hart book that envy is the only of the seven deadly sins that gives you no pleasure. Mm. There's nothing good comes from it, no one Space. Because lust and gluttony. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> give me some of that. Is that, you know, if you spend half an hour scrolling through your, you know, someone's Instagram, you're not gonna go, oh, I feel loads better for letting myself stew over this for half an hour. It just gives you nothing, you know. It, yeah, like you said, it. didn't you, the kind of like, um, when you got in, not that you're not in good shape now, but when you got in like, you know, when you really dieted down for um, those photos, and you got in like kind of crazy shape, like really low levels of body fat and you were doing your cardio and you felt great, you're like, oh, I'm feeling really good about myself. And I'm so shredded. Yeah, and then instantly looked at someone else who was bigger than you. Leaner, yeah, more handsome. Like, Yeah, you're just like, oh, what's the fucking point? <laughs> like, it doesn't serve anyone. What has that helped aside from to not my motivation? Yeah, and I appreciate it's hard, but these are just lessons you've got to take with you and you know, I kind of laugh about it now. And that's what you need to get to do. So last one. Another one, another last one. Last one, I came up with one whilst we were talking, whilst she was talking. Mm -hmm. I think it's, yeah, and it's one that we see very, very commonly, like particularly people who are kind of like very early stages of kind of, you know, trying to sustain or doing a Kickstarter or, you know, doing a challenge or whatever. And it's this idea that I've had this mindset shift. This is it now. I've got it. It's always going to be constant work. You're, you're not always, you know, no one's going to bounce out of bed you know, every single day and be like, oh, I can't wait to get to the gym. I'm off to get my oats and my water and my protein drink, you know, and oh, I, I, you know, I don't even look at cake anymore. Like, yeah, cake makes me feel sick. Like, yeah, I have not change your brain chemistry. Yeah, you know, it's always going to be constant work and you're going to ask why we're so keen on teaching a skill set. Listen, scientifically, 
proven that cake is delicious. Donuts are delicious. You know, pizza's delicious. Whatever it is, you know, you're never going to get to a point where it's like, oh, that, that cake. food that made me fat for 20 years, I'm uh, not interested in. It's always going to be constant work and it's just, you know, working on that relationship that you have with your food choices where you can make a sensible choice. You know, like we saw someone today where they're going, oh, I've been really good all week, but this is going to really test me. It's Macmillan Cake Day. Now, I could go to the Macmillan Cake Day and have a slice of cake and then that's it, you know, and be happy with it. What caused me to go into a kind of like a cake eating frenzy unless I wanted to? <laughs> um, because, you know, I've got a decent relationship with food. <clears throat> but then other things, you know, I might end up massively overindulging with it. It's just, it's going to be constant work, whatever you do, whether that's training wise, you know, you're not always going to want to work out. I really enjoy working out. I don't always want to do it. I didn't do it yesterday. I sacked <laughs> it off because I was tired and I was achy and I was sore. You know, food choices, I'll get tired, I'll go home, like, oh, I just want to get, you know, fish and chips or something just easy to cook. It's constant work and that's when, you know, kind of going back to the goal setting, going back to being better than before, all these things kind of tie together, but it's constant work. Yeah. It's never just going to be like instinct, especially not after seven days. And it will get easier. You know, people say, oh, I just want food not to be on my skills, mind so much. Skills. Yeah, it just takes a lot longer than you'd like and it's a lovely idea that within three months you're going to go from being you know cake munching machine to you know kale lover but it's just going to take a lot longer and just kind of buckle in for the ride and just take your time with it because ultimately who was i talking to you the other day they knew someone who gained a st- eight, 20 kilos in 18 months awful lot of weight to put on that nearly mm-hmm. three stone but if you say to someone you're going to lose a kilo a month then they think it's crap progress you know half a pound a week but it's monstrous, you know, and in 18 months, how much older are you going to be? It's only going to be a year, maybe yeah. two. It's, you know, it's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, so you just need to take the time and be patient. So I think that's us. Lots. Long one. Yeah, so, you know, it's some harsh truths, but it's, they're all fair. Uh, you can take them on board, work on them. If you have any questions, find them across to me and Joe. We're friendly guys. Most of the time. Mostly James. Thank you very much for listening. I have my moments. <laughs> Uh, like, subscribe, leave a review!